With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sounds like football, baby. <laughs> What up, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Kyle August. It is Tuesday, February 9th. The Super Bowl is in the books. I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but it it happened. Uh, 2020 is in the rear view, and as we look ahead to 2021 and beyond, we are turning the page to Season 2 of the Fantasy Football Smackdown on today's show. we got a couple of big announcements before we get into today's main topic, which is lessons learned from 2020 as we look forward to a new season. But a couple of big news items first want to get to here off the top. First of which is, if you're listening to this podcast on the Fantasy Football Smackdown feed, thanks for staying subscribed and tuned in. Because as you guys know, there is no offseason, just the extended bye week. So we're going to continue to bring you episodes all year round. But if you're hearing this podcast on the Dynasty Warzone feed, thanks for hitting play, checking out the show. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard As Memphis has mentioned, we're bringing the SmackDown to the Warzone Network in 2021. So excited to work with Memphis, Jerry, and the guys. We're going to talk a little bit more of what you can expect from the SmackDown in 2021 in just a bit. But now we got to get to the real big news story here. And that is, of course, everybody's been clamoring like, Kyle, who is going to be your co-host on the SmackDown for Season 2? Well, I got the answer for you right here on the podcast today. You may know him as the host of the Fantasy Football 101 podcast. Or maybe better yet, his many appearances on the Fantasy Football Smackdown and his wonderful serial takes. It's none other than Mr. Jake Rip. What up, Jake? Kyle, what an intro. That was even oh, that was above and beyond what I expected. Have you been rehearsing that? Uh no. I, I mean I did t- throw some ideas. I was like, I gotta get cereal in there. I gotta get I gotta get I gotta get a shout out to the 101 podcast in there. And uh, you know, gotta bring it for the for the first episode of season two, gotta make sure some people stick around, you know. So Absolutely. welcome aboard, bro. Well, I'll tell you what, I am happy to be here with uh, you, the Dynasty Warzone. Um, yeah, at any time I jump on a pod with you, it's always a good time. So it's exciting that we get to do this for the next year, and uh, who knows from there where, where it goes. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we we definitely, uh, we, this thing kind of came together, not like last minute, but it just was something that you and I were just kind of chatting, and then I, I think it was kind of like, well... Do, do you want to do a podcast next year? I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> we call that fate, Kyle. We call it fate. <laughs> there you go, man. So I think this is going to be a ton of fun. I'm probably going to use the word excited or exciting too many times on this show. So if you want to start a drinking game, go ahead. But I'm pumped as hell for this season. I'm really looking forward to working with all the Warzone guys. I think Memphis has done a great job putting together a solid crew. Uh, and it's been a kind of a long time coming. I've known Memphis and Jerry for a really long time. And uh, Jake, you and I kind of got hooked up last year. Uh, you were on the SmackDown for a few episodes here and there, sprinkled in. Uh, but uh, for the, the listeners that may not be as familiar with you, why don't you just give a little bit of background about yourself, how you got into fantasy, dynasty, and and this crazy podcasting game? 
Started like everyone else who's listening to this show. Loved, uh, loved fantasy football, a passion of mine so much so that I went to fantasy football Twitter and found that whole crazy world that we now thrive in. Uh, but got into a little bit of writing. You can find all my written stuff over at ballblastfootball.com. Uh, Kate and Michelle over there doing awesome things. And, um, you know, we're, we're just podcasting here now, man. Glad to be doing it over a mic, over a video. It's a lot more fun this way. A lot more. Yeah. I like this this form of content a lot more. Anyways, yeah, I'm with you, man. And I've and for the people that don't know me, I've been on the I've probably been on the wars on like two dozen times, like even dating back to like the original freaking crew. Like, but uh, Memphis and Jerry have had me on a bunch. I I'm always like I was kind of like the third war zone guy for a bit, just because I never say no. Like Memphis is like, hey, anyone you available? Yes, let's go, let's do this thing. So like. Uh, but, uh, I wouldn't call myself a professional by any means, but maybe a veteran at this point, this is my sixth year doing podcasts and, uh, being modest, dude, it's, it's just so much fun. You mentioned like this media being, uh, this is the best, man. I love podcasting. I've written for a variety of sites. And while I do enjoy that, like it does kind of drag, like I've talked to other people in like the industry and they're like, by the end of the season, they're like, Oh, I just, I hate this. I'm like, yeah, like. I get it from the writing piece because it's just, you have to be, I feel like you just have to be so precise and, and, or, or otherwise you're just going to piss your editor off type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? It's a lot of work. If you want to put out a piece of content that's really valuable and actually means something to the person that's reading it, there's a lot that goes into that. A lot of research and a lot of writing. And like you said, a lot of editing yourself, if you don't want to piss off the person that's <laughs> editing it for you. But yeah, if you put in the time, you're going to put in a great, you're going to have a great article. If you don't put in the time and, you know, you just kind of half-ass it, it's not going to be so great. But um, yeah, like you said, you do end up putting in the time and then it's a little weary coming, you know, week 13, week 14. But mm-hmm. we're here now. The uh, the Super Bowl is over. Well, you know, we'll still be kicking out articles here and there. But mm-hmm. again, happy to be podcasting. A- absolutely, bro. And, I, and it just, it is, I, I love uh, always jumping out with different people and, like I said, or I mentioned, like you and I kind of got hooked up for the first time and I was really impressed with like your dedication to, you know, to your podcast and how you're doing. I was kind of surprised to hear that that was kind of your first real stab at it, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So I was like, dang, OK, this this guy knows what he's doing and it's not an easy thing. Sometimes when the mic turns on, you never know who you're going to get on the other side of it. Even if it's somebody you've talked to a million times, it takes a while to get comfortable. And uh, but I think as much as I'm excited for our listeners, like I know I'm excited to work with you this year. And I think this is going to be an awesome, uh, an awesome show. So hoping that uh, everybody continues to stick around and, and hang out with us. As I mentioned, uh, we are now on the part of the Warzone network. So we're going to be on the dynasty Warzone feeds going forward. Uh, if you're not already subscribed over there, which I don't know what you're doing. If you're not, um, <laughs> you need, you need to be doing that. Uh, right now, even if you're listening to this on the SmackDown feed, you're obviously getting the show. We're going to continue to post it here for a little bit, give you a little bit of time. But uh, if you listen on the Warzone feed, you're going to notice that this episode length looks like it's pretty long. And um, that's because we got a little Easter egg, a little bonus action as we once we finish up our show. If you stay, uh, keep hitting, keep don't uh, don't jump off the podcast. Is that you're going to a little bonus with Memphis talking some Senior Bowl winners and losers, and then a little uh, Super Bowl food coverage that they did on Sunday morning if you guys didn't tune in live they talked about some of their super bowl foods they were drafting there so uh speaking of super bowl jake how was how was your super bowl did you get did you eat anything uh special on that on a day that 
maybe let us down as far as the game went? <laughs> no, it was about as underwhelming of a Super Bowl as you could ask for. I mean, it was a fine time for myself and my wife. We hung around down in the living room, mm-hmm. sat on the couch, watched the Super Bowl like it was any other Sunday or Monday night game. Uh, and yeah, it just uh, underwhelmed in every facet of the game. I thought maybe we'd get some kind of cool shootout. You and I even talked about like the uh, metaphorical passing of the torch yes. to, to Pat Mahomes from Tom Brady. And just none of those storylines played out. The only one that plays out is Tom Brady is once again the Super Bowl champion. And I am going to tell you, I, did I not call that? Or did I say, <laughs> yeah, I called that. I'm pretty sure. I yeah, I think you did. I think on the preseason show, uh, I, I think you were, I, it, it was, you definitely said Tampa Bay. You said Tom Brady winning it in Tampa because that's just what he does. I made fun of you. I, I called you Mr. The, the mayor of Narrative Street or whatever. Well, and, uh, yeah. to be fair, I did make fun of you earlier before the season for ranking uh, Matt Ryan ahead of Josh Allen. You <laughs> tell me. <laughs> yes, I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> so you you did call it. But as like you said, all the storylines we were kind of lo- looking for, or maybe hoping for, it doesn't play out. Just another year of Tom Brady kicking everyone's ass. So you betcha. You know, it it was uh, the game itself was disappointing. If you follow me on Twitter. Uh, I got a new Twitter handle, so if you were already following me, you might not have noticed, but at KyleMonth8, so check that out if you're not following me already. Bravo. It's a creative t- creative Twitter handle. That is, <laughs> that's as creative as it gets. You've been looking for a good Twitter handle for a while now, and I think you found it. That's a keeper. I, I It still looks weird whenever I see it. Like When I see people reply to me, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Oh, that's me. They're replying to me. I did um, have a real aha moment when I read your thing. It took but like the thought process going through my head. I'm like, Kyle, month eight. August 8th. Okay. There you go. Keeps people thinking. Now, hopefully it doesn't annoy people, but um, (laughs) any, but uh, if you follow me over there, you got to see my annual photo of my corn dog casserole, which was amazing. Uh, If you guys haven't seen that, everybody loves the corn dog casserole. Every party I go to, like, please bring the double batch if you can. This stuff is amazing. not I mean, really. we don't have to get too far into it, but what's in a corn dog casserole? You kind of just set it up for me. I got to ask now. It's literally so. I don't remember how the idea got brought up, but originally the first time I made this, it was just because I was broke as hell, college kid. You know, just everybody's bringing something. I have a lot of friends. I have some friends that are just a little bit older, so like I was going to party, like you know, they got the husband wise thing or whatever, and I'm just like this punk kid, right? That just needs something to bring. So I don't remember even how it got brought up, but it's in essence all it is is just. Uh, jiffy uh, cornbread mix and a bunch of hot dogs chopped up and, and cooked in there. So like I, it, and of course, and even, especially, you know, if you're a single guy or just lazy like me, uh, you got to get the disposable tin uh, pan too, because that way you just literally bring it, you throw it out there, no one eats it and then it gets thrown away. Um, but yeah, uh, you don't, you don't want to clean that dish. afterwards. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. So I, I did go, I went this year, I made like a huge one. I don't know why there was nobody there. There was like just a handful of us hanging out. Uh, so I, I went, I went with the real Oscar Mayer hot dogs, not like the generic Aldi hot dogs and, and, uh, made, made a solid dish. So you can check out the photo if you want to see the finished result. It's pretty good, <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. I yeah. It, it's, it's a crowd pleaser for sure. Uh, speaking of what, 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 what the listeners got to expect from the SmackDown this year, if you, if you haven't listened to the SmackDown before launched it last year, it was a rebrand of the fancy football fellows, a podcast I did for a long time, did uh, about 55 episodes on the SmackDown. And you know, this is going to be a year round show. So we're going to be covering a lot of variety of topics, 
uh, throughout the entire offseason. We're going to be dropping on the Warzone feed every Tuesday. We're eventually going to be live on the YouTubes. Uh, I, and that's new for me. I don't know if people want to see my ugly mug. Have you ever done any YouTube streaming there, Jake? No, man. I mean, you want, you know what? You want to talk about having the nerves when you get up behind a podcast, Mike. I can't wait to have all my insecurities revealed in, in front of a screen. That's going to be a real, real pleasure. I, I always, whenever I have been on the war zone or any other show that has video, I always watch back. I'm like, God, like, stop. Like, I just look at me. I'm like, stop touching your face, dummy. Like, you know, uh, like, or, or like, stop leaning, like, <laughs> stop leaning, you know, like, I'm like, this guy's an idiot, you know, but uh, anyway, so looking forward to being on, on YouTube where that's going to be Monday nights. We'll get you, we'll get you guys a time. Uh, try to be consistent to that. But uh, yeah, man, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be every single week covering a ton of topics. We're going to be talking redraft from time to time, kind of focusing a little bit more on 2021 values when, when it makes sense. And, as we get into draft season in like late July, August, we're going to be hammering home a ton of redraft content because obviously you guys are listening to this. You're, you're, you're diehards. You're into this. You play in dynasty leagues, of course. And, but you want to prove to your friends, not just the diehards, but your coworkers, your family and friends, like that you're damn good at fantasy football. Mm-hmm. And sometimes di- dynasty strategy doesn't always translate uh, to redraft league. So we're going to calibrate you a little bit, get you ready for redraft, focus on 2020. 2020- one values that'll help you across the board even if you're going for it and then once we get in season we're gonna do what we do best man we're gonna cover the waiver wire uh whether you're in redraft leagues and you're picking these guys up or you're in dynasty leagues and they're on the end of your bench uh and then we're gonna cover start sits uh as well so it's gonna be we're gonna be here a lot you're gonna be hearing from us a ton uh jake do you have any any story or any examples of like you went into a redraft league thought you were gonna dominate and then you got your ass handed to you (laughs) Um, yeah, you know what? I went in hard with, and you know what? I don't know if this was my premeditated strategy going in, but I remember a, cu- a couple years ago, it was the Tyrod Taylor Cleveland year. And oh, I, was, okay. I, I don't want to say I was ahead of my time, but I had the right idea with these Konami code quarterbacks or mobile quarterbacks. I was like, you know what? I get Tyrod Taylor, another quarterback. And anyways, so I'm, I'm I got Tyrod Taylor and then I, I like went from there and I got another Browns player and then I got another Browns player. And I might have had four Browns players on my roster by the end of the day. And I don't know if you need to know where this is going, but that didn't work out when it was all said and done. No, It was a terrible strategy. Baker Mayfield ended up taking over. It was a really bad redraft team. And I remember leaving that draft thinking like, oh, that went well, that went well. And then like driving home and like halfway home being like, maybe that didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, so those are, it, it's always fun, man, especially when people know like if you're you're that into it. And it's always, it, it never fails. I'm always in leagues where like, you know, once you get in the playoffs, there's a crapshoot. Like you get in these leagues and you'll be beaten by the guy who showed up with a mm-hmm. magazine. He dusted off from Walgreens or whatever. That's three months old. And, and you just, and somehow you're like, how the hell did that guy beat me? Like it takes a quarterback I, in the first round. Yeah. And I, I know our listeners probably have had this before. I don't know if you've run into this, but like, Sometimes I'm like, man, I spend so much damn time on this stuff. If I don't win, I'm pissed. And if yeah. I win, I don't care. I should have won. <laughs> Especially if my league mates know that I spend so much time in this. Now it's embarrassing. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So this this is gonna it's just, this should be fun, man. I'm hoping you guys hang out with us. Uh we're gonna be covering a variety of topics on the show, like I mentioned. But on today's show, we're gonna dive into some lessons learned uh as we kick off season two of the SmackDown officially set our sights on 2021 and, and looking forward is that I think this is a good thing for fantasy owners to do. I've been trying to do this over the last couple of years. Take a look back, see what worked, what didn't. Uh, if you keep, you know, keep trying the same thing over and over again and it keep, and it doesn't work. I believe that's the definition of insanity or some saying, I don't remember, but 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got to evaluate what you're doing, man. It, it, you scout yourself a little bit. Uh, so there are, a, there are a couple of things that I, that I took away when I was looking back on this season and, uh, and what I want to do differently heading into 2021 and beyond. But Jake, I'll kick it to you first, man. What was something that uh, looking back maybe on 2020 or, or the years before that you're, that you're uh, going to be looking at a little, maybe a little bit different heading into 2021? So I think this is kind of a nice segue as far as what you were just saying with, you know, we're going to be bringing a little bit more like redraft content and redraft strategy. Uh, this is kind of a redraft strategy tip or a lesson that I've learned. And it is that you want to avoid rookie running backs in seasonal leagues. Oh, now, yes. Now hang with me. This might be spicy. <laughs> I think that it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the hype of some of these crazy prospects that are coming out into the league, especially if you're like us and you're involved in fantasy Twitter, or if you just watch college football and, and you know who these guys are, it's really easy to get caught up in all that hype. And I think this past season was probably the best example of that. When you look at this 2020 class with, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, you could go on, CEH. Um, these are all NFL-ready guys that are ready to dominate starting week one. And despite the talent, what happens if you draft these running backs in leagues? I'm going to go through some of these players now, starting with the, the moneymaker here, Jonathan Taylor. You can mm-hmm. say, Jake, what do you mean you didn't want to draft Jonathan Taylor? College mega producer, right? Jonathan Taylor, over 2,000. All-purpose yards in every season at Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor. He, he has basically the greatest opportunity you could ask for. He's drafted to a team with minimal, minimal running back competition in Marlon Mack. And at the time, we didn't even, Naeem Hines wasn't even a thought. You I would have laughed at you if you would have said Naeem Hines. He's drafted to a team with an aging, check-down quarterback in, in, in one of the best offensive lines. And we all know how Jonathan Taylor ended the season, but the cold, hard truth, is that he was a cancer for your fantasy team for the majority of the season. From weeks 1 through 10, he was the RB26 in average fantasy points per game. Right behind Naeem Hines, RB24. That included a three-game stretch where he failed to surpass 30 rushing yards. The thing is, so you have Jonathan Taylor, and although he puts together these crazy numbers and he's the RB3 on the end of the season, you didn't get to reap any of those benefits because you probably missed the playoffs if you held on to JT and you had that headache for the entire season. Did you have JT in any of your leagues? Was he someone who was commonly on your rosters? Did you move him? Like, what was? How did that work out for you? I, I ended up. I didn't get any JT to be honest, and but the the roller coaster ride of those who had it was an interesting one to watch because I we uh, on last week's show on the SmackDown mentioned this we were thrown out like the rookie of the year right mm-hmm. uh for 2020 and tail and jt was definitely in the conversation because he he potentially won you championships but he but the reason that we gave the award to robinson from jacksonville is because he got you there yeah, if you exactly. had jt he sure as hell didn't do anything to help you get and, to the playoffs and james robinson might be the the only outlier in this theory that i'm proposing to you you go down to the next guy i mentioned deandre swift and, you know, despite the glaring talent difference between a DeAndre Swift and a 35-year-old Adrian Peterson, what happens? AP averages just over 13 carries per game over the first seven weeks. And DeAndre Swift saw single-digit carries in all but one game over the same period of time. I'm talking three carries, five carries, four carries. The only thing that kept Swift even sort of relevant over that period of time was he was averaging four targets per game. So maybe you keep him as a bench stash, but... It was the same thing as with Jonathan Taylor. Swift was RB29 weeks one through eight. 
Back half of the season, RB9. He's gold. J.K. Dobbins. He didn't surpass 10, car- 10 carries in a game until week eight. Unrosterable. End of the season, 11 through 17. He's averaging 16.7 points per game. CEH, he had two He had two good games. Outside of that, he was extremely underwhelming. And this is a guy that we were taking, or not me, I was not taking. People were taking in the first round. That, Guilty. Oh, Guilty. Raising his hand. Oh. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> he wasn't a disaster in 2020. RB18 is nothing to be ashamed about. But uh, he was, it was just a huge bust relative to his ADP. But you you get what I'm saying here. Yeah. You get the, you see you have the same patterns time and time again with all these rookie running backs coming into the NFL and and their coaches for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just the old coaching mindset of football, but they're not they don't allow them to take on that full workload that we all know that they'd perfectly be able to do. You you know you can't convince me that Jonathan Taylor wouldn't have been able to go out there in week one and take 30 attempts. Um, like I said, J- and James Robinson is an outlier to that theory, and there's going to be outliers to that theory. Someone like Najee Harris, if he gets drafted to Pittsburgh next year, I'm going to have a hard time re- listening back to this and not taking Najee Harris in the first five rounds. But I think just as a good rule of thumb, uh, the idea of drafting these guys scares me. If no one in this class, outside of like you know Antonio Gibson, who people weren't drafting for the most part anyways in the seasonal leagues, mm-hmm. I should say that. He, he was getting drafted later, but... Um, if this class wasn't able to have multiple people come out and succeed on day one, then I think it's just a wasted draft pick and just uh, it, just taking up space on your bench for the majority of the season. Unless you really have a team built around it that's going to take you to the promised land and then uh, these guys blow up at the end of the year. But I'm just not willing to do it for all season. That's yeah. my lesson learned. Hey, I, I think that's as someone that took CEH in the first round of my my biggest draft, like the wrong, longest running league I do with all my buddies. Like I took CEH at, I think, seven overall, and that didn't work out for me. Like you don't need your your number seven overall player to finish as RB18. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, the hype train's a scary it, thing. It gets going. And what's not going to be any quieter next year either with these. I know it might just be maybe two or three guys depending on landing spot, but like you're going to see these guys going in the, t- in the first three rounds, like for sure, because you mentioned all those names. And if you're looking at this, you know, I obviously hind, you know, hindsight of things right in, in February or from a dynasty perspective, like, hell yes, I want these guys on my team because I think there's some definite upside with Swift and Taylor and even see, you know, CEH, uh, Dobbins, Cam Akers, another guy that you didn't mention, but is in that same vein. Like I know he was taken around four or five and the dude was completely freaking worthless until the end of the year. So like the thing is, the last thing people will remember is that, oh yeah, these rookie running backs were solid. I want a piece of that again. And it's like, well, now the price tag just continues to increase and increase and increase. And for redraft leagues, especially, I think you're spot on, dude. Like it's just not worth the wait to try to get these guys. And if you're in a dynasty league, like what you need to be doing is taking advantage of people freaking out. Absolutely. I can't even imagine some of the trades people probably made with Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> oh, over that stretch where he couldn't hit 30 rushing yards. I mean, people yeah. were, panicking yeah yeah and and the thing was too with taylor that was even more crazy was marlon mack got he was gone in one week due to injury like if you would have told people that he would have been drafted in the at least the second round i think yeah then he probably people would have been talking about taking him in the first round yeah another thing i even i fail to think about with jonathan taylor is if marlon mack would have been healthy all season Mm -hmm. would we have ever seen jonathan taylor this year i mean they were just so adamant about giving the ball to 
Naeem Hines and Marlon Mack when he was around for that one game. And yeah. I, just, I don't know what they were thinking in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think you're I'm I'm with you, man. I know that's a lesson that I learned in that in a couple leagues where big spots where I took rookie running backs I thought I was gonna be leaning on and I just wasn't able to. They just took too long. So I think from that standpoint, like as as uh you know dynasty players and avid fans of this game, what you need to be doing in those situations is instead of taking those guys early take the more proven commodities and then trade for those rookies when, you know, mid season, when somebody's just fed up and they're just ready to get rid of it. Cause you, you never know. Some of these trades I see made are just crazy out there and uh, you wouldn't have believed it two months prior, but some people, when they're on your team, they just, they hate owning that player now. Right. So they just want them off their team. Yeah. But. Some of these running backs too, you notice like it, it's almost like a premeditated coaching move. Like mm-hmm. they get the big workload right after the bye week. Yeah. And it's like, it's not an accident. I can't remember which one of these rookie running backs it was, but you see like uh, five carries, six carries, five carries by week, and then 13 carries, 15 yeah. carries. Like that wasn't an accident. They got together during the bye week. They decide, okay, this is our guy. Let's see what we got. So you know, yeah. maybe if you're looking at a good time to buy on a player, look ahead, find some bye weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that might have been Swift. Maybe Dobbins too, but you're definitely right. There's a trend there. And we've seen it in prior years. As well, and that actually, I think that's a great segue into my number one lesson learned, uh, and it has to do with the running backs. And it's last season we all had probably a ton of startups, right? I know I couldn't help it; I was just sitting around doing nothing. And I'm like, I got to get some more leagues, of course, because why not? I'm sure future me won't mind doing freaking waivers for 23 freaking leagues, right? So I was in a bunch of startup leagues, and the few that I did that I implemented this strategy, I love my team way more now as we sit here in February. And that is I'm not drafting freaking running backs in dynasty startups anymore. Just screw it all, man. These guys are, they, their lifespan is too damn short. And the price tag that you can get on a rookie running back, even in the next, the future years, rookie draft or, you know, trading for a younger running back is way cheaper than what you pay on draft day. There were a couple leagues where I made sure to get one guy. Like I, I did one startup this year where I drafted Alan Kamara. I traded. I got a couple picks like towards the end of round two, early round one. I took Kamara and then I loaded up on other positions, right? And then I think my RB two uh, was, you know, I got Marlon Mack or I got Cream Hunt and Marlon Mack, right? And Hunt was way late because um, of the league style and it was super flex and everything. But like I didn't pay up for, you know, some of these guys that are just they're they're they have an expiration date on them clearly. And I just, the way that the running back position was this last year, anywhere where I heavily invested is that I just felt like I got burned. And now, especially in dynasty leagues, I just, I hate these teams now. I had a league I drafted, I did the complete opposite. I took Zeke Elliott at like eight overall and I was thrilled, right? And then I took Miles Sanders in the second round and I was thrilled. And like round six or seven, I still thought it was late enough, took James Conner. Then I got Leonard Fournette before he was cut. And now I'm looking at my roster, I'm like, do it. I mean, I've maybe one running back one maybe on this squad and I would much rather take the lottery tickets on other positions this quarterbacks especially in super flex you can never have enough and and the wide receiver position just seems to last so much longer I went back and took a look at DLF ADP from June 2019 so this is post draft don't ever look at May ADP if because my god the rookies are always like way up there I think carry on Johnson was like a top five pick uh <laughs> or something crazy but like you look at this, you know, Zeke was four overall at the running back position. Le'Veon Bell was six. Melvin Gordon was seven. Todd Gurley was eight. David Johnson was nine. 
Connor Cook was a, or uh, sorry, Connor Cook, <laughs> James Connor. So I have Connor and Cook. They're, they were next to each other. His name's <laughs> And Jer- Jerry's uh, loving life right now with the Connor Cook <laughs> reference. Uh, James Connor was 11. Like, where are those guys now? We're not even two years removed from that. And as much as I am buying Zeke, who isn't even a top 12 ADP right or uh, ADP right now in startups in January 2021, there are only four names still that are on this list two years later: Barkley, Kamara, uh, McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook, who was barely in the top 12 in the June 2019 ADP. Like it's crazy how much this shifts so fast at the running back position. And while it's not one for one, right? When you look at running backs, there is turnover or wide receivers. There is turnover at that position as well. And at quarterback, but not to not as drastic as you see these guys just drop off. Like there, you don't want Lev Bell or Todd Gurley on any of your teams. You couldn't give those guys away at this moment, right? Same thing with Melvin Gordon. Like he he could be an RB2 for you, but you can find that at a much cheaper price when you compare what you had to pay for these guys in startups. So I know, men, I know that uh, Jerry has already talked about this. He hates running backs. I'm with him. I hate him. I don't want him. Redraft's probably a different story. You got to load up. You got to take your shots. That's how you got to win. But in dynasty leagues, I'll let future Kyle deal with the running back problem on on startup day. I'm gonna I'm loading up at receiver and and quarterback. So and isn't isn't Alvin Kamara like the perfect example of your lesson learned right here? Like this, like even right now, Alvin Kamara is a hot name in the streets, right? He's one of the best running backs in dynasty fantasy football. But is he? Because what we <laughs> yes. saw with him with Taysom Hill wasn't top five Alvin Kamara. It wasn't even close. I mean, we're talking like what do you expect 50 rushing yards and like two catches that's not what you want from a guy that you're taking in the first round so i think that's a great example uh and alvin Kamara. so where are you willing to kind of break that line now in dynasty drafts like i know they're all going to be different but where do you say okay i gotta take a running back right here yeah i think for me like if i'm depending if it's super flex and uh you know in even in the first round i think i did my top 12 we you and i are both doing rankings now for the war zone and I think I had one running back in my top 12. Like if I'm in the second round of my league and I still have like Barkley or Taylor, uh, which these guys are probably gonna be gone, right? Maybe, maybe I'm Swift. Not or really, you're not out yeah. on running backs. You're talking about taking a running back in the second no, round. So I will, I will take one. I'll take one running back. I'll take one. If I can get one of those studs, I'll take one. Beyond that, that's it. I'm, I'm punting it down the line. I don't want any of these middling people. Don't give me Miles Sanders. <laughs> or Josh, even Josh Jacobs. I don't like Josh Jacobs. Get him out of here too. Miles Sanders middling now. I don't. I don't want. I don't want those guys. I think they are. They're doomed to be, to be waiver wire fodder. You know. That's. You, I mean, look. I mean, look at Gurley, dude. Like, I, I don't think he is like in the exception to the rule. I mean, this is real. No, pro- dur- dur- durability is like is a is a you know a thing on itself. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Todd Gurley and his knees, and you can look at this year with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley. You love the workload these guys are getting. It's why you drafted them. But at the same time, that workload is tearing away at them, yes. killing their longevity. Yeah, and especially in, in and this probably applies more than anything in full PPR. Like there, it's so easy to get away. Like I'm never going to play a running back in, in a flex position, probably ever. Like my running back two is my flex. I just rotate guys in there. Other than that, the fact that you can look, you, you mentioned Naeem Hines, like he was a dude I relied on in a bunch of leagues that, that were PPR because like, okay, I'll take his five catches a game and know that I have a pretty safe floor right there. He's, he's probably looking at 10 points right yeah. out of the gate, right? 
you know, and JD McKissick, what the hell? Like that guy was a top 12 running back towards the end of the year. So I just think that, you know, if you need to make a move, you're a contender. If you punt running back too far, if you don't get one of those elites and you, and you punt it a little bit too far where you end up not hitting on somebody, you can acquire a guy pretty cheap. You can go out there and get a, you know, a Melvin Gordon, you know, type player for pretty much nothing, right? It's, it's not that hard compared to the price that you have to give up or the guys you're passing on, uh, you know, to draft that running back position. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I've nailed that strategy all the way out yet, but I know overall, like, I'm going to keep reminding myself, like, stop taking running backs. Just stop it. Like, go, you're going to hate yourself in four months because those teams, like I said, we're not even a year from the, removed from that startup. And I'm like, what the hell? What the hell am I doing here? Like, everyone saw that cliff and I just, I just stayed in the car. Everyone else is jumping off. And I'm like, no, we're cool, man. Just roll down the windows, extra breeze, and just t- off the cliff I went. I'm guilty, man. I, I took uh, I took Todd Gurley in a dynasty league just last year. Don't know what I was thinking. Now I don't know if I can get a fourth round pick for him. I traded a I traded a second rounder for him. I knew it was going to be like mid to late, but I traded a second rounder for him after like three or four weeks. I'm like, no, nah, he's still, you know, he's falling in the end zone. It'll be all right. But yeah, man. I, so. That's that's my that's my rant on the running backs. I think we we talked a lot of running backs here. Good lesson uh, learned. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll kick it back to you, Jake. What, what's uh, what's another lesson learned for you? This is one that I think I brought up on another show with you, maybe with you and Addison. But this was something that I was doing way too much of last off season. And my lesson learned is: do not fade good players. I I kept finding players that for one reason or another, I would like nitpick these stupid little stats. And for example, AJ Brown, like I I would look at his yards after catch per reception and it's, it's a stupid high number, right? In 2019, it was 8.6. That was above and beyond number one in the league. I knew that. Okay. There's no way. I know that's coming down. I know Tannehill's numbers are coming down this year. It came down to 6.1. Meanwhile, that led the league. He's still number one. It turns out guys like A.J. Brown and guys like Debo Samuel and guys like Chris Godwin, they're just beasts after the catch. It's just what they do. I have to accept the fact that A.J. Brown is an animal and not be like, oh, well, he did this in his rookie year, so now I can't expect that to happen. Example number two, Darren Waller. He was another player I wanted no part of in 2020 because I chalked all of his success up to being the only viable target, really the only option for Derek Carr uh, in 2019. So I bought in early to the narrative that we he'd see a big dip in volume in Vegas once they drafted a receiver who I anticipated being CeeDee Lamb, ended up being Henry Ruggs. Uh, but then they doubled down and they got Brian Edwards, who I, you know, I loved him as a talent. And sure enough, those guys do nothing. I think, you know, how can Waller possibly hit these numbers again? He goes from third in tight end targets in 2019 to first in 2020, fourth in target share in 2019, to first in 2020. Just an unprecedented bounce back. Not bounce back, but just like I could yeah. never have thought he would go up there. But you see what I'm saying? I, I was just I, – I, I knew he was a good player. I should have respected the fact that he is this ridiculous size, speed specimen. He was a wide receiver. I knew he had that kind of talent, but I tried to look for ways to discredit that. And of course, the number one example of all examples of me fading good players. I got to admit, this Josh Allen guy, dude, he's okay. <laughs> he's okay. <laughs> I think he's all right. But I'm not, I'm not going to be too hard on myself for this one because I don't know if we're going to see this again where a quarterback comes in as a rookie and completes 52% of his passes and then improves to just under 70% completion in year three. 
Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I was willing to fade Josh Allen because the addition of a running back, Zach Moss. Ah, uh, <laughs> 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 oh, man, this sounds so terrible. Would he, I, I thought that, that he would eat too much into what is Josh Allen's only valuable trait as a fantasy quarterback, which was his rushing, specifically his rushing touchdowns. Mm. Uh, but on top of drastically re- improving as a passer, his his rushing numbers hardly regressed, like marginally regressed. That's now three seasons with eight plus rushing touchdowns. It just goes to show you how uh, how valuable a mobile quarterback is in fantasy football. But mm-hmm. I've learned my lesson via Josh Allen, via Darren Waller, via AJ Brown. All these guys are dynamite. I'm probably going to own a ton of them this year. And I'm not going to do so much of that this year where I go in and try to find these micro stats. Uh, I think it's just to, you know, I got to zoom out, look at the bigger picture, draft good players. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's definitely something that you can carry at, at, at every facet of, of your fantasy and dynasty uh, process, because I know that I, I fall, fell into that same thing. I know a lot of us did like with AJ Brown, right? He felt he went to Tennessee. Well, damn it. They only run the ball. So exactly. forget him. Right. I did the same thing last year with Justin Jefferson. Cause I went into this, my whole, I mean, if you heard me on any podcast, the podcast could have been about, you know, your favorite whipped cream topping brands. And I was like, you know what? Kirk Cousins doesn't throw the ball enough. Like I did, like I was bringing that up all the time, right? I just hated, I hated the Vikings passing offense. And then they produced two number one wide receivers. What the hell? And Jefferson's the hottest freaking name. Like you can't get this man, right? Yes. And I, I think as a community, we did this with DeAndre Swift. Like I think Swift right now in, uh, in DLF ADP, he is the number two rookie running back. Uh, at six overall at the running back position, right? He landed in Detroit. We discounted him. I, I think you just need to, I think what you said is perfect. Like buy into the player, get good players. They will produce. I did it with, I did it with DeAndre Hopkins. Just the yeah. fact that he had a change oh. of scenery. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah. Just yeah. the fact <laughs> he had a change yeah. of scenery. I figured he yeah. could never have the, the kind of numbers that he was putting up with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And how about Deshaun Watson? I thought him without Nuke he <laughs> would be, I mean, not worthless, but... Yeah. I, I certainly had Watson. I, I wanted I, towards the back end of my top ten quarterbacks, mm-hmm. uh, but but he was dynamite. Looked at looked yeah. at the, as uh, as well as he ever has. I, I did the same thing with Hopkins. I did the same thing with Diggs. That kicked me right in the nads. I did the same thing with Keenan Allen. I was like, oh no, he doesn't have a QB. He lost Philip Rivers. The dude was an absolute freaking stud when he was out there. Like man, like you just got to go get good players. It seems weird that that is a thing, but you're spot on. Like we, we fall in love with these guys that there's Podcast, not any good. Some killer advice. Draft <laughs> the good ones. Bam. Well, I, my second thing here is, is an extension of a strategy that I've already, I think a lot of people already have, but I'm here to tell you that if you're not, I think you might not be doing this enough and it is don't, Either commit to a tight end or F them all because this position is is an absolute freaking dumpster. I took a look at the stats from this year, and and there's there's definitely were some killer seasons, and not having George Kittle in there makes it look even worse because now it's just two guys sitting at the top. Travis Kelsey, you, you honestly can't understand how good he was until you, you compare him. Like I believe he was the number through 16 weeks was number six non quarterback in scoring. Like the dude was an absolute beast. But in PPR, Travis Kelsey was a tight end one by 34 points over Darren Waller, who was tight end two. Darren Waller in PPR was 102 points better than the tight end three. 102. That is freaking unbelievable, right? Tight end three, Logan Thomas, right? Catch monster. 
Logan Thomas, tight end three, all the way down to tight end 15, were separated by 35 points. 35 points between that entire span of tight ends. This this position does not matter. So, uh, you know what? And I, I'll put that into an even deeper perspective because actually one of my lessons learned is that Travis Kelsey is absolutely worth a first-round pick. There you uh, go. And you were speaking to the, the point difference to tight ends. What was the point difference between your uh, tight end one and tight end three? It would have been from Kelsey to Logan Thomas in PPR would have been, quick math, 136 points. Okay, maybe this is a little steeper then because I did this in half PPR. But the difference, okay. the difference between Devontae Adams, wide receiver one, and Stephon Diggs, wide receiver three, 33 points. So that goes to show you the difference between just having that animal at tight end, just that one piece that you know, no matter what, is going to be better than your opponent's tight end. It doesn't matter who he has. In mm-hmm. fact, not only is he going to be better, he's probably going to double the amount of points scored. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It it was it was absolutely crazy to see. Kelsey was just so good. Like it really just, I think, even highlighted this even more. But the fact of, like I said, three to fifth tight end, three to fifteen. 35 points tight ends eight to 15 were separated by nine points I mean that's that's a touch that's a touchdown and a half man I mean that's that could happen anywhere um the other thing that came into perspective for me with this position that really tipped it was Logan Thomas tight end three again in PPR no Kittle so uh he had 178 PPR points he would have been wide receiver 38 wide receiver 38 I mean there's no reason to spend any resources on this like I've always I I know Part of me like was hurt by this b- position because I Zach Ertz myself a bunch of times last year. Like I was like round five Zach Ertz, you bet your ass I'm paying that price. Like and then he sucked, right? He was tight end three on his team. So when you're talking about the tight end position, you either commit to paying that first round pick for Kelsey, which I think is totally worth it. Uh, you you got to get that second round pick pretty much committed to Waller or Kittle, and then if you're one of those three teams, you now have the advantage over everybody else. And if you missed out. Don't even look at that position. Don't even look at it. I, might, I might not even draft a tight end. Forget it. Yeah, you could have you could have gone with Jimmy Graham and and Dalton Schultz and been just fine compared to everybody else outside of those three teams or two teams really. I mean, it was just a. And when you look at Tanya and you look at Logan Thomas, those guys were obviously not drafted anywhere, and it happens every single year. So I, I think you just you not just punt, but just just out of the building. Just don't even bring the ball. Just leave it in the locker room. And then, like Jake said, you just pick up one later. Like, who who cares? Uh, now, a lot of the teams that I had this year, and Kelsey helped that, but I had Waller on some, that advantage is crazy. And I loved having it because I was like, wow, I don't have to make the decision between Jimmy Graham and, and Dalton Schultz. I get to make the decision between my wide receiver three, right? Because, like, that's where the, the gap in my team is, is compared to tight end. And that's a much better feeling um, to have. So, I, I pulled up the list of the most common players on fantasy playoff teams on ESPN.com. And the second player on that list right after James Robinson is Travis Kelsey. That just goes to show how much of an impact he makes on just winning rosters. And and you had to pay the price for Kelsey. Even last year, like he was, he might've been a first rounder, but he's probably a second rounder. Yeah. And so like you had to pay for him. Like when you see Robinson on there, like he was probably free, you know? So like him being on there definitely makes sense. I'm, I'm sure like Mike Davis is probably not too far down. down he was that on that list either. So like those types of guys usually end up there, but when a guy like Kelsey at his value, uh, as far as what it was on draft day, uh, unbelievable. So I, I think it's it's just uh, I like the tight end position. Uh, I know people that want it eliminated from fantasy that just want it rolled into 
to wide receiver. And but I like the fact that you have to make a decision. Like, am I going to pay for this or am I not? If it's if yeah. it just kind of rolled in, you know, and tight end premium does its thing and all that, but like it it doesn't matter. Like I I don't want I'm not wasting my time on Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram ever again. Like yeah. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. There you go, man. What what uh, you got another one for us? I do. Uh, lesson learned here. I think Konami code quarterbacks are necessary to win championships. And maybe necessary isn't even the word, like essential to win championships. And uh, is there a definition for Konami code quarterbacks, like a predetermined, like what do you, what do you, how would you define a Konami code quarterback? I've honestly never heard that saying until you just brought it here. That's how unplugged I am apparently. Well, then I I better, uh, (laughs) hold on, let me rewind here because then that probably means a lot of listeners don't know what I'm talking about. Konami code quarterbacks. Anytime I hear that thrown around, it's, you know, it's a quarterback who has the ability to rush the ball, a mobile quarterback. Um, And for me, when uh, people say Konami code quarterback for me to consider you in that realm, uh, I got to see at least 20 rushing yards per game. So QBs who met or exceeded that threshold in 2020 starts with Pat Mahomes at 20 yards, goes all the way to Lamar Jackson at 67 yards. Uh, Mahomes hurts Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Daniel Jones snuck in there. Hey, uh, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. Five of the top six fantasy quarterbacks in 2020 are on that list. Even Jalen Hurts, although it's a super small sample size, he scored the third most fantasy points among quarterbacks from weeks 14 through 16 while he was starting. And it it just looks to me like this is just the direction the NFL is moving as a whole. I think before we know it, every team is going to have a guy like a, I don't want to say like a Lamar Jackson because it's going to be a while till everyone gets there. But you get what I'm saying. Maybe a Cam Newton or a Deshaun Watson, just someone who can move the ball with their legs. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be funny. I look back to 2015 to see who the top 15 fantasy quarterbacks are just to see uh, how many of those quote-unquote Konami code quarterbacks were in that top 12. And Cam Newton was QB1 that year, so Konami code Cam. <laughs> After that, it's Tom Brady. And we know he ain't running the ball. Russell Wilson, okay, Konami yeah. code. And then brace yourself. Blake Bortles, Carson Palmer, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kirk Cousins, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Matthew Stafford. So a- after Cam Newton and Russell Wilson, who each averaged over 30 rushing yards per game that season, the next best rusher was actually Blake Bortles. I didn't even realize he was that good at running the ball. Nine, just under 20 yards per carry. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick. After that, Matt Stafford. But uh, you get what I'm saying. I just think that that's the that's the trend that you're starting to get in the NFL, and that's such an advantage to have that quarterback that can run the ball. You know that I'm sure everyone who's listening knows that. Uh, but you know, is it possible to win a championship without a mobile QB? I guess it was in 2020 if you had Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady and his 0.4 rushing yards per game. But I think <laughs> really getting some point. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's getting to the point. That's a real stat. I didn't make that up. It's getting to the point where if your QB isn't throwing for over 4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns and he's immobile, he's not finishing in the top 10. And ultimately, I think that you're not going to win a championship. There's still immobile quarterbacks you can get by with, guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Herbert. And then after that, that's kind of the end of the list for me. Like, I'm not wasting my time in 2021 you said you're not wasting your time with those tight ends. I'm not doing it with 
you know, sorry, Matty Ice. I'm not doing it with Matt Ryan. I'm not doing it with Derek Carr. I'm not doing it with Kirk Cousins. I think they're going to be fine players, but if you're going to win a championship, you have to have that advantage over your opponent, and you're not going to have that advantage with any of those players. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, man, lesson learned. I got, I'm getting me Konami code quarterbacks everywhere. And look at that. You learned a new term today. Yeah, I did. I would, it, and I, you, uh, you alluded to it and you brought him up. I'd mentioned him on the, uh, as we wrapped up season one with the end of the year awards, the guy that I hated the most as in fantasy personally was Matt, Matt Ryan. Like the dude crapped the bed so many times and I just couldn't, but I was just like, but his upside and he's got Ridley and he's got Julio and I got to get him in there. But when he sucked, he sucked. And you know, when, when these, when these rushing quarterbacks have bad days, they're at least propped up a little bit. Right. Because you know, even that, even, you know, you mentioned, what was it? Tw- did you say 20 yards a game? Yeah, that's kind of my yeah. threshold okay. I think, for the Kunami. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're thinking like the difference between when you got a, you know, a, like a 13 to 14 point game from your quarterback, God, it just, it, it's so painful. But add a couple of points to that, it's like, okay, 15, 16. Like I, you know, it doesn't seem like a ton, but just that mm-hmm. little buffer. And that's on the floor, right? So it's a, it's a touchdown, essentially. I mean, you get 40 rushing yards, you've got mm-hmm. another score from your quarterback. And yeah. sometimes that'll come with another rushing touchdown. And like you mm-hmm. said, maybe if they have a bad day, now it doesn't look so bad. But if they have a good day, yeah. now it's a super good day and <laughs> you you probably won your week. Yeah, no doubt. And that's definitely, I didn't have it in here officially on my list here. But one of the things like this year for me was, you know, when I had teams that I went for it, right? And I think traditionally, I'm always a guy that like, I'd rather take the shot on the boom than be so worried about the bust that I'm, just sitting there finishing fourth place in my league. Like who gives a shit about fourth place? You know, no one's going to remember you in fourth place, right? So you have to go for it. And, and traditionally my strategy has always been to take the most risk possible. I don't even care. Right. Um, But I found that maybe I've drifted into a little bit more of being conservative still on the fact of being on the, on the, on the side of, of risky, but not enough in, in some places. So I think there's a, you know, you, you want to take the shots. You want to go for the big, uh, the big hitters. And, you know, I have, I had a couple of teams this year where I, I took that strategy inadvertently more than others. And like when I, I paid the price, like, Oh, I gave up a couple of safe guys for one, you know, stud or one boom guy. Like I loved those teams, right? Like I didn't care that I had to make a tough decision every week on a flex because I accidentally gave away a little bit of depth. Who cares? You're list- if you're listening to podcasts, you can do that every single week. You can find guys. You can find guys on the wire. Sometimes even even in Dynasty Leagues to plug in there for one week. Let that, you know, there's going to be other guys on the rush that are going to carry you. Those guys, you know, if you have a bunch of steady eddies, okay, you know, it's not going to bring you a championship because when you get to the playoffs, now you're playing the real good teams, and then that's not going to get it done. So I, I definitely, uh, I, I like that, and that's definitely something I try to get on all my teams like I want. I want that difference maker at the quarterback position. Uh, and it's hard. You know, the, I think t- Trevor Lawrence is going to throw. I, we'll see if how much he runs. But um, but I, I think everywhere else, like going forward, like you have to you have to have those rushing yards. Uh, sure. I got one more. I got one more on my list. Um, and this is more just in general. I think something that I learned as a commission, I commissioned too many freaking leagues probably. <laughs> but over the years, I found that like, you know, I wanted to do a better job at uh, getting everybody involved and doing things that like, you know, bring, uh, bring league mates together. And that whether that's trying to look for more opportunities to get together, whether, even if that's, you know, virtually or whatever, uh, you know, look for opportunities to create more events 
in your league, right? Some some leagues, it's like you have one draft and that's it, and it's like see you next year, man. Like, and that's that's how it goes. And even in this to- time, though, this season, like I wouldn't say I accomplished my goal, which I is still one of my lessons that I learned again uh, this season. What I'm going to strive to in 2021 is, you know, look for ways to build that league, you know, camaraderie. It's something that you can't, you can't, uh, the leagues that you can't buy it, right. The leagues that you have it in and the trash talking back and forth is fun, but that usually also translates to activity trades and that type of thing. Right. When you have leagues where no one says anything all year and you look back, you're like, okay, this team that won didn't even make a freaking roster move all year. And he won because no one else did either. Right. And those leagues aren't fun. You should probably, you know, look to trim those leagues or give that league a boost. So I know as a commissioner, like I'm going to, you know, there are a lot of different ways that you can get together. It doesn't always have to be in person. You can do, you know, a, uh, you know, a zoom happy hour thing. You can have, you know, a draft lottery or, you know, league meeting or something like that, which are a lot of, you know, it's just excuses to kind of get everybody together to hang out a bit. And I think when you do that as a commissioner, you're also, should be taking a look like, okay, who never shows up to these things or who never participates? And like maybe that person doesn't need to be in this league anymore, right? Like he hasn't done any, he hasn't shown up to any event in a year and he doesn't make any roster moves. Like, sorry, man, I know you pay your league dues, but we got to get somebody else in here. So like for me, I'm going to be looking to utilize all of these crazy things that we've all adapted to in 2020 and look to use those things in my leagues to make them more af- active, to get to know people better and give people the opportunity to, you know, enjoy these things even more. And well, yeah, that's going to take more time for me. Like that's something that I think is well worth the investment. So that's a lesson that I, I want that I've thought about in the past, but I think I've learned a better way to do it. I just got to implement it. So for me as a commissioner, that's something I'm going to try to do. And yes, to answer what you were saying, you do commission too many leagues. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I think it's, I think it's like seven or eight or something. I can't even keep track anymore. I just, if I come up with a cool idea, I'm like, I'm doing it. Let's do it. <laughs> So they, there you go. Hopefully that encourages some of you guys out there that are in some of those leagues. I'm, oh, I'm in a couple where like first thing that comes around, I'm like, man, you know, that's just kind of stale. And, you know, I'm definitely not the person that's like in chats every day and like chiming in or whatever, like just random. But uh, I, I think it is the best thing to try to make, to look to see what you can do as a commissioner to make your league more active. So going to work on that. I guess I'll report back, let you guys know what I find out, what works and maybe what doesn't. <laughs> so uh, you got, you got any more on your list here, Jake? Yeah, I got one more. While we're, uh, I think you and I talked a good bit of running back draft strategy today, or just I guess running back theory today. But I got one more here, and this does pertain mostly to seasonal, or yes, one hundred percent to seasonal rather. But you cannot, under any circumstances, leave the second round without a running back. I tried it this year; it did not work. I this is a, a rule that I tend to rely on more often than not. However, when you get into involved in a shit ton of leagues like my friend Kyle here, uh, you want to go out and try different draft strategies and different approaches to how you construct your roster. And I did that in a couple of like my lower stakes leagues. I thought, okay, I'm going to go for, you know, if I was picking at the end of the first round, I'll double up on a couple of solid wide receivers, like, you know, the best wide receivers. Mm-hmm. It felt like a huge advantage if I had Devontae Adams and Julio Jones. Or if I had Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill. Meanwhile, the only combination that like really would have worked out of that, I guess, would have been Devontae Adams and, and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Otherwise, you were you were screwed. And the way I see it is you have such a better chance of drafting a wide receiver in the middle rounds that can produce top 12 wide receiver numbers 
than you do drafting a running back in the middle rounds who can produce top 12 running back numbers. Mm-hmm. I did a little a little digging here and I looked back into into the uh the uh this year's fantasy rankings and seven of the top 12 wide receivers in 2020 they had an ADP outside of the first 3 rounds in in redraft so outside of the wow. top 36 players uh Diggs, Ridley, Metcalf, Jefferson, A-Rob, Allen Robinson, Woods they may have found it into the first 3 rounds of your league but you get what I'm saying I think this was on fantasy football calculator. Uh that was seven of the top 12 wide receivers. Five of the top 12 running backs in 2020 had an ADP outside the first three rounds. That was James Robinson, David Montgomery, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Kareem Hunt, and Mike Davis. But if you look at you know, JT and Monty, were, they were useless for the first seven games of the season. <laughs> yeah. You can forget Mike Davis because no one was drafting him anyways. So that pretty much leaves you James Robinson, who I can't, I can't remember exactly when that news broke that he was going to be playing, but I don't even know if people- it had to be, it had to be mid to late August because I remember I still, I had some drafts that were early and I still ended up with, I drafted Fournette in a bunch of spots. Right. And that wasn't a sure, a sure as hell wasn't regular season Lenny. I'll tell you that. What it comes down to is if you took that wide receiver strategy, you basically had to, you had to double up on Adams and Tyreek Hill and you had to get Kareem Hunt. And after that, you just, I mean, you had, you just, everything had to fall in place for you for that, for that draft strategy to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically what I've learned from this season is, is there's a strong chance that I'll be starting a lot of drafts this season going running back, running back, uh, in the first couple rounds. I just think you're so much like, so much more likely to have your wide receiver needs met in the middle rounds. Yeah. I think you're spot on. And as much as I won't be drafting running backs and startup dynasty drafts, I will not leave him. I might take, I might go three freaking running backs in the first three rounds. Like you have to have them. I don't think you can win without them, to be honest. Like I think what the stats you brought up are perfect, man. Like the, the gems you can find at the wide receiver position in those middle rounds, that, that's going to continue. This league is going to continue producing a high number of wide receivers. And while yes, Devonte, would I take Devonte Adams over, you know, Joe Mixon as an example? Hell yes. I'm taking Devonte, but on draft day, am I going to do that straight up when the decisions on the board? Like, I should probably lean. I'm just using, I'm just throwing this out there. Like, I think I probably still go Adams, but like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of guy, like that, that maybe that wide receiver three, four, five over running back, you know, 14, 15, like, yes, that wide receiver is a better player, but you're what you can get at that position later on is completely different ver- compared to the running backs. And I did that in one league. I did the same thing you did. I took, I took, and it ended up being Michael Thomas, which sucked. And I got Kelsey on round two and I won another wide receiver in round three. And I went with a zero RB because I'm cool. Yeah. And guess what? That sucked. I think you you cannot leave that first two rounds with it. You gotta have one. You gotta have the anchor. You know, if you, yeah. you know, you have that, to. That roster that I went with that strategy with, I remember I, I did have I had Devontae Adams, I had Julio Jones, I had Kareem Hunt, and I had Jonathan Taylor. And you know what? I executed that strategy perfectly. <laughs> if Frank Reich would have just given Jonathan Taylor the ball, I would have won a championship. But he didn't. So that's why lesson learned: you don't draft a rookie running back uh, in seasonal leagues. And lesson learned: I lost my lesson learned. Where, where, where were we just at? You're drafting running backs early. <laughs> and you're drafting running backs early, first two rounds. You're drafting. Nailed it. Nailed it. Oh man, I I love it. I, and I, I think that this is something that 
can easily be forgotten. Like on whether it's it's whether it's your takes on how you want to approach rookie drafts. You get in the moment and you're like, oh, landing spot is greater than talent. Top ham, mm-hmm. Keyshawn Vaughn, who I love ripping. Or you know, same type of thing. Like you get to your your August redraft leagues and you're like, ah, oh, but this wide receiver is so much better. I'm going with him. Like. Don't forget about this stuff. Keep track of it now and keep it in the front of your mind. Do some mock drafts every so often too, even just to you know mess around and get a feel because when the pressure's on, it's easy to slide back into old routines or old habits. And and then you're sitting here a year later and we're talking about the same damn thing. So you gotta be, you gotta be smart, gotta look at yourself a little bit, do a little self-evaluation when it comes to fantasy and dynasty strategies. But Jake, man, I thought I thought you brought it, man. I I love I love all your lessons learned. Those are great. I know I have some takeaways for myself. I'm gonna get some uh, Kyo Sami QBs or whatever you said. And tsunami uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But uh, as we wrap this thing up again, as a reminder, uh, if you're listening on the Warzone feed, you're gonna get a little bonus edition here of the Dynasty Warzone. You get a little senior uh, bowl winners and losers with Memphis and a, and a guest and then some Super Bowl food draft coming up. So you got to be listening on the Warzone feed for that. If you listen on the SmackDown feed, make sure you go over, subscribe to the Warzone if you're not already and check out that little bonus action. But as we wrap up the SmackDown here, uh, Jake, why don't you just tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter, man? At Jake Takes FF on Twitter. You can find my written stuff over at ballblastfootball.com. They, Jake Takes. See, that's, see, that's solid. That's what I was trying to find. But Nothing rhymes with Kyle except pile. And I didn't, I, I, yeah, you know, I didn't think at Kyle pile would work out. Cause then people would be like, pile of what? Uh, oh yeah. And, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Yeah, there. It'd be like pile of great fantasy takes. Um, but uh, anyway, so appreciate it guys. Thanks for all support. Stay subscribed. Going to be back here next week and then live on YouTube. So be sure to follow us on Twitter for those details, but you guys take it easy. Stay safe. Talk to you next week. What's happening, everybody? Happy Monday, and welcome to the Dynasty War Zones kind of mock draft Monday. Uh, I do have a guest tonight. His name is Dallas Hyder. He's been on the show before. I'm going to bring him in in just one second. Just want to make sure to thank you for tuning in at the end of the FF Smackdown. So I'll get into that in a second. Just want to make sure I bring up five star reviews. Regardless of what pod platform you list, listen to the show on, this is the lifeblood of any podcast, is reviews, especially Apple. Don't know why Apple. I just know that it's the, the one that drives the algorithm. And we're literally two away, two away from 200 official reviews. That can be on Apple, Podbean, Stitcher, what have it. You, you review it, it helps us get to that magical 200 Uh, This, along with subscribing everywhere, is the fastest way to help us grow, and growing we are. I do want to take a minute because we did get one five-star review since the last time we spoke, and that five-star review reads, amazingly good, even the tight end podcast was entertaining, and that came from Aaron GT80. Aaron, thank you so much, man. That made my day. My co-host, Jerry, at DWZ on Twitter, actually tweeted out a screenshot of that review. We were so pumped up. Thank you so much for your feedback. And for those of you listening, we are going to share our food and beverage mock draft from the Super Bowl YouTube 
live stream at the very, very end of this. It's about 12 minutes long, and my mic on this particular 12-minute piece was cracking. So here's the deal. When Dallas and I get done recording this, if it's cracking again, I am going to return the new mic, go back to the old mic, because production value has to come first. So thank you for all the reviews again. Man, if you want to do something nice for somebody, even someone you don't really know like me, although we all know each other, we hang out every, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, um, you know, you can make someone's day like mine by helping us get to that 200th review um, in the rear view mirror. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you just listened to the first installment of the FF Smackdown on the DWZ Football Network. Now, those are our redraft BFFs, Kyle at Kyle FF Fellows on Twitter. And his new co-host, permanent co-host, Jake Hripp. Why am I putting so much emphasis on the H? Only Family Guy fans know. Uh, you can follow Jake at Jake's Takes FF on Twitter. And these guys are bringing unique opinions and takes on the redraft game to the DWZ Football Network. I've always wanted to have a show concentrated on redraft as it's the most popular form of fantasy football in America. So every Tuesday during the entire offseason, we're going to have the guys over at the FF Smackdown sharing their unique brand of redraft fantasy football. And starting next week, that'll be live on YouTube and uh, that'll be Monday nights on YouTube and Tuesday mornings in your podcast player. So real quick, I'm going to do this in 30 seconds or less. I'm on a clock. Uh, the off-season schedule is going to go like this. Sunday nights for a Monday pod. So Sunday night YouTube, Monday pod will be mock draft Mondays. That will be with me and friends and guests, and we'll be mock drafting everything. We'll be doing startup mocks. We'll be doing rookie mocks. Uh, we didn't do that this past Sunday because, well, Super Bowl. Uh, on Mondays for a Tuesday pod, so Monday on YouTube, Tuesday podcast, the FF Smackdown with Kyle and Jake. Then a Tuesday night YouTube for a Wednesday pod will be me and Jerry on the flagship Dynasty Warzone. And then Thursday only on the YouTube, you will get the Dynasty Happy Hour Contractor, as well as the once a month, the big bet with me and Dr. Kyle. And we'll have a lot of friends, guys. So here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing at least one show rookie centric everything will be rookie focused that's what we're going to talk about here in just a second with dallas but we'll have at least one show a week that will be nothing but rookies maybe a draft maybe a rookie uh, content provider in the form of a guest and then the other show of the week will be for your existing dynasty leagues theory strategy player value all the normal stuff so uh, make sure you subscribe everywhere we're going to have good stuff and I have kept this to under five minutes, which is great. That's been the goal ever since. Another review, speaking of reviews. So check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Dynasty Warzone. And if you're not on social media and you need to get a hold of me, Dynasty Warzone at Gmail. So here he is. He's back again. He has done uh, a couple of mock drafts with us now. Uh, last season, he did an episode of the Dynasty Happy Hour Contractor. He is back with me. His name is Dallas Hyder. You can follow him on Twitter at Salad Galore, S-A-L-L-A-D Galore on the Twitter box. What's going on there, Mr. Dallas? Hey, Memphis. Great to be back. Um, I'm just enjoying the tundra weather that most of the Midwest is currently going through. I'm trying to survive like everyone, but as you aptly said earlier, um, not very long that we have left of it. So I'm looking forward to the spring weather. Um, the draft is ever approaching 
not going to have a lot of uh, obviously combine related activities. So it's going to be a little bit different this year, but I'm ready to talk some rookies tonight. Yeah, so what Dallas and I are going to talk about tonight, and we're going to keep this short. Again, you just sat through the FF SmackDown, the maiden voyage here on the DWZ Football Network. And we're just basically, we're going to draft and keep the spirit of Mock Draft Monday alive. And we're just going to draft some winners from the most recent Senior Bowl. Now, we had a lot going on. We had a full show uh, schedule last week here on the, the DWZ. So, we did not actually uh, do a lot of Senior Bowl reviewing. We're going to do that tonight. But the one thing I do want to make sure is that I know there is news out there. Jerry and myself, along with our guest Dan Williamson tomorrow night on the Dynasty War Zone, we will discuss all of the coaching hires. And if anything happens, I'll be more than happy to discuss it. If Carson Wentz gets traded between now and then, be more than happy to discuss it. If, if Deshaun Watson gets traded, more than happy to discuss it. But right now we have so much content to provide for you guys. I am not going to waste your time or my time going down a hypothetical rabbit hole. We'll discuss what actually happens, when it happens, and how it impacts your dynasty roster. But for now, man, I just want to take a few minutes and go through some senior bowl winners. So uh, we're going to do maybe six to eight. We got to do at least three to four each. I'm going to let you go because I know who your guy is. I thought about being a dick. And taking the 101 and taking your guy. But I know who you want to talk about as your biggest Senior Bowl winner. Who was your big winner? The 101 of Senior Bowl winners. It's got to be my man, Michael Carter. Anyone who's heard any of the episodes I've been on so far, I've been preaching him. I'm preaching him on Twitter. Um, I'm in the small minority that probably can't decide whether or not I like Javante Williams or Michael Carter better. And that was before the senior bowl that was nationally televised for everyone when everyone's feeding for that football content. He is a game changer. He's a completely different type of back than what you're going to get from Javante Williams or the Najee Harris is um, that type of back. You're getting a very shifty guy. Buzzword alert. Uh, the contact balance is what always gets thrown out for Javante Williams, but Michael Carter does it not quite as well, but pretty damn well. He's elite with his vision. Um, my go-to play anytime anyone is ever curious as to what he encapsulates basically as a prospect, I tell them to go and look at the Syracuse game from earlier this year. I'm not going to tell you to watch the Miami game because they both just went off and ate in that game. It doesn't really tell you that much because Miami's defense just couldn't do anything. But Syracuse did a pretty good job against both backs. But there's one specific play in the fourth quarter where he catches a ball. He doesn't quite score, but I think he ends up with about 45 yards on it jukes two guys stiff arms one guy and the vision that he ends up having on that play is exactly what you want in a three down back he's got the prototypical size a little bit light he's sitting at about 205 right now but when I see him I see Ray Rice and yeah you can say okay that gets thrown around a lot for smaller backs that are a little bit beefier but they have the same play style. They're not known for their tackle breaking ability, but they're pretty good at it. They have deceptive strength inside the tackles to force those out. And then when you get them involved in the pass game, they're pretty much identical. So I don't think he's going to end up in a purple Jersey personally. I hope he doesn't because that would really mess with some people, but that's who I see when I look at Michael Carter. Well, um, I know you are, as the kids like to say, a Michael Carter stan, and that's cool, but here's the thing. 
Um, I am I am a huge, huge, huge proponent of collective IQ, not groupthink. Uh, I'm not looking for us to go all down the same rabbit hole, echo chamber, whatever term you want to use. But I look for a lot of people that I respect, such as yourself, and what are people saying. And whether it was um, Lance Zerline and Dane Brugler on their podcast, whether it was the guys over at Fantasy Pros, just about every service as I was doing my research for this show, they had Michael Carter as a winner leaving this. I will tell you that at 57202 listed uh, at the Senior Bowl, uh, five seven two two o two sounds light until you smush it down into a five seven package. Then th- then it gets a little bit beefier. The one thing that we're all gonna have to be very, uh, very aware of this year is whatever senior bowl slash, uh, modified combine pro day metrics we get, we have to take them with a grain of salt. You know, it is the the job of a lot of people there to make sure that these players are shown in the brightest light possible you know it's good for the university it's you know the higher he gets drafted hey we had a we had a running back and in this case with north carolina maybe two running backs drafted high so it's it's in their best interest to help these guys out so i'm i'm gonna have to take the the advice of the quote-unquote film grinders uh, a lot more seriously this year because the the people who do a lot of this by you know metrical statistics whether it be the 40 or burst or speed they're not going to have as much accurate information. They're going to have information. We just won't know exactly how accurate it is. I also like Michael Carter. Uh, I think I like his teammate, Javonta Williams, just a tick more. I like my, I like my running back strapping. And at 225-plus pounds, Mr. Williams fits that bill. But I, I am going to go to another guy. Now, you went with Mike. I'm going to go with Mac. I'm going to go with Mac Jones. Um before I get into Mac Jones, I forgot to ask you, where are my manners? In a one QB league, not super flex, because that, that, that changes everything. In a one QB league, where do you think you will end up getting Michael Carter? Because, you know, obviously there's a couple running backs ahead of him. What do you think? Where are you comfortable pulling the trigger on your man? Not no, Obviously, you're going to get the option to change your opinion based on where he gets drafted. If he gets drafted to a crap situation, like say behind Derrick Henry in Tennessee, you got to lower your expectation. Knowing what you know today, where would you draft him? The classic answer is going to be team dependent, but for me specifically, if I need a running back, I would say as soon as I have eclipsed the Bateman. Devonta Smith Waddle range. So I'm looking at the probably 203 to 205, somewhere in that range. I'm pulling the trigger on Michael Carter. I'm not going to be oh, pulling it on I, the Hubbard. I think that might be a, a good range for him in a super flex, but I, I think he's going to be a first rounder. I hate to argue with the guest, but it, it makes for honest conversation. It may not be good manners, but it's good conversation. Yeah, no, and I hope he is. Uh, for me, most of the people that I talk to, they usually aren't big on Michael Carter. They say, yeah, he's good, but they always have him as 6-7 in the running back rankings. They all have Chiba higher. They all have Etienne higher. They all have Najee up there, Javante. So when you start looking at the wide receiver depth, you end up seeing that if five wide receivers, Trevor Lawrence and the first five running backs go – 
that's what you're sitting at 112 typically. So then it's just personal flavor, that type of situation that you end up going with. So I, I would pull the trigger personally, like in my drafts, we've talked about a couple of times, I'm a little bit running back needy. So I'm going to be taking him most likely with the 111, most likely. So that's about the range where I'm forcing the pick based off of need. But the range that I think most people are going to be drafting him in is, is somewhere around that 203. Okay, well, I, I'm starting to see a ton of love for this young man all over Twitter. So I think he's going to wind up being, so I am putting something together for our Patreons, patreon.com forward slash dynasty Warzone, where I am putting together consensus rankings across as many draft services as I can. That, let me rephrase that. that draft services that I think are worthy being part uh, of my consensus. And right now he seems to be the consensus for there's a little free spoiler alert for you. So a lot of people like this guy. Now, now again, he's not four across the board. Ironically, the only running back that I've charted so far, I'm about halfway through this this project, is uh, Javonta Williams, his teammate. He is the consensus three. Every service I have uh, pulled into the spreadsheet, they have him as the running back three. No one has him at two. Nobody has him at four. All the services I've used have him as a locked-in number three. So anyway, my guy, my guy is going to be Mac Jones. Uh, again, same thing. Um, every bit of I went to uh, Yahoo. Uh, I listened again to the Dame Brugler podcast. Um, just anywhere and everywhere I could. Fantasy Pros. I could not find a service that said that Mac Jones was a loser, even though he didn't play in the game due to, to I guess, injury. We'll call it. But great of him to show up. He is he is my QB five in this class because. Once you get past, for me, once you get past Trevor Lawrence, I've got to take a long, hard look at where these guys wind up. So for for me, um, if you saw the picture of him without his shirt on after the uh, national championship game, he is not what we would uh, dub a physical specimen. But uh, I I think he could be serviceable. And I guess I always quote my man, Izzy Elkafas of the Dynasty Trade Calculator. The cheapest time to get your quarterbacks is in your rookie draft. And for me, in a super flex, I see Mac Jones going, I'm going to say around that 110, 111, 112. Um, he's going to get first round NFL draft capital. So he's going to get that three to four year leash that, uh, that, that, that you hope for. And in the right situation, maybe he's your QB three with QB two upside. So for me, I would have to go draft as my second biggest winner out of the senior bowl behind your Michael Carter will be my Mac Jones. Who, who is your number three in anything with uh, Mac Jones from your perspective? Yeah, I agree with you on Mac Jones. A lot of people are talking about how he was a winner, even though he didn't play. Um, my number three is actually going to be a guy that also did play, but you would have been shocked that he did based off the stat line that he put up. Um, for Mac Jones, I don't see a lot of faults with his game other than a little bit of lack of experience. He doesn't have a lot of game reps underneath his belt just this one year as the bona fide starter with the splitting last year with Tua's injury. But for me, um, it's not a sexy pick that I would say, but he kind of reminds me of Andy Dalton. So when Andy Dalton was coming out, he wasn't a super illustrious quarterback. He was the guy that, hey, I need a starter. Uh, the Bengals were like, we need someone to come in, fill in the role. You have all the tools to be a good quarterback. 
he Andy Dalton coming out, they called him the red rifle. He had a bomb, a very good deep ball, and that's exactly what Mac Jones has. So that deep ball, that deep accuracy, that's who I kind of see when I see him. So, yeah, it's not someone that in a super flex is going to break the bank for you that you're going to pay up for, but it's probably going to be someone that fills a role for at least two to three, maybe even four or five years at the quarterback position while people are trying to fill him out and kind of feel where he's at during his rookie contract. So I like that pick. All right. Who's going to be your, uh, your second of three? So my second of three, this is kind of a personal preference for me, but I love me some Tylen Wallace. So in the actual game, for those of you who don't know, Tylen Wallace, he's the Oklahoma State wide receiver. Uh, he's sitting at right about six, six foot, 195 pounds, I think is what he weighed in at. So he's got that just real average, solid wide receiver body type. So not too big. He's not going to blow you away with his speed or anything like that. But looking at all of the one-on-one pass reps that you had between the cornerbacks and the wide receivers, he was pretty much the only wide receiver that was setting up routes. Everyone else was just trying to either out-physical their guy or just spring in one direction. I'm looking at you, Tony. But for me, Tylen Wallace is pretty much exactly what you're looking for when you're looking for a guy that's got that my ball mentality. So the DeAndre Hopkins of the world, although they're not the same body type, it's uh, I'm going to beat you to the ball. I'm going to win this ball. His hands are amazing. Yes, he played in the Big 12, so it's not tons of great cornerback play that he's going up against. But he went in for his sophomore year, had gaudy numbers, just absolutely insane numbers, tears his ACL at the end of the year, comes back last year, puts up respectable numbers for – coming back off the injury and not really being in a great offense with Oklahoma state. So for me, when I see him, his adjustment on the deep ball is next level. And I see someone that could follow the same type of career track that what you saw with like a Robert Woods. So they got the kind of the similar body type, the similar type of play style where they have really solid hands But if you remember, Robert Woods did nothing for Buffalo. He was that second-round pick that everyone was waiting for something to happen. Tylen Wallace is that guy. He needs some refinement to his game. He needs to work on setting up his routes, and he needs to add some strength a little bit to actually get off of routes and press. But once he does that, he's got that just real fight mentality that I love for my personal wide receivers. All right. Well, I'm going to keep this thing rolling. I like Tylen Wallace. Another name, very, very popular in the Twitter uh, rookie universe, I guess we'll call it. Uh, and it's good because very few people, the, the first two guys you've brought up, so with Michael Carter and Tylen Wallace, the the consensus has been mostly positive. And, and, and that's a good thing. That That's very scary because Twitter is a very divisive place. And to see this much common love for the man has been has been refreshing. So I have a guy, and, and, and he is slowly, the more that I learn about him, the more that I like him. And he could be very, now I don't know that based on size and athletic score that he'll be Antonio Gibson, but this guy could be this year's Antonio Gibson, and that's Demetric Felton. Uh, I don't know what position he's going to play in the NFL. Now, he played running back at the University of uh, UCLA, but... At the Senior Bowl, they had him listed as a wide receiver. 
Here's what I'm hoping happens. I'm hoping that from a dynasty standpoint on MFL and sleeper, he winds up with wide receiver designation and a guy that can rush the ball because you're thinking, well, you know, how big is he, Memphis? If you're unfamiliar with Mr. Demetri Felton, how big is he? Well, he's 5'10", 200 pounds. That's not much different than me. I'm 5'11", 205. So uh, not huge. Um, We'll see what kind of athlete that he is. But here's the thing. He had, as a senior, he had 132 carries in six games. He was getting over a 20 attempts a game in the pack in the pack 12, I guess. I would say pack 10. Uh, in the pack 12, and he averaged over five yards a carry. Had five rushing touchdowns, and he's got 99. This is a hell of a number. 99 career receptions for almost 1,000 yards. So I, I can't wait to see what kind of – because, again, I'm going to be very untrusting – of the metrics, there are two numbers that we are looking for with Demetri Felton. We are looking for his MFL slash sleeper designation. What they make him out to be uh, will go a long way to determine his draft capital. And uh, he's a guy that I'm not enamored with this class. Like in a one QB league, he has got second round written all over for him for me, especially if he goes to a coach that I would deem to be uh, offensively progressive. So for me, and again, much like the guys we've already talked about, this guy got love across many quote-unquote winners and losers list, whether it was the Dame Brugler, Lance Zerline, um, Fantasy Pros, uh, all, the spot, all the spots, the Pro Football Network, everywhere I went, they had positive things to say about what a good job he did as a receiver. But this is a guy with 233 rush attempts in college. Uh Nothing special about him. We kind of fell in love with another U, U, uh, UCLA back last year in Josh Kelly. But I love the fact that this guy is what the NFL is going to. A lot less about position and a more about being a weapon. And this guy can be weaponized in the right system in the NFL. So I'll be keeping a, a sharp eye on Demetric Felton. So uh, you got one more for us? Anything on Felton before you give us your last guy? Yeah, uh, so you brought up the point about we don't know what he's going to do measurable-wise and speed-wise. The dude's fast. He is very fast. Um, I remember watching the game last year. It was a UCLA versus Washington State game. It was a barn burner, like 67-63. So before he took the lead role this year with all the running back touches, he was basically just exclusively the third down back behind Joshua Kelly, and he was just murdering Washington state last year in that game. I think he handed up with like 160 yards, two touchdowns. One of them was like a 95 yard touchdown where he stiff armed like three guy in the way to the actual touchdown. Go and watch it if you haven't seen it, but I love Felton. That was my next guy to get to me, but you snuck in there and snagged him. So I'm going to go a different route. Um, my third guy personally is going to be Des Fitzpatrick, the wide receiver out of Louisville. So, Not a big name, not very flashy. He's not super, I don't know, super, I guess, analytic-based, where you would fall in love with his numbers at his time in Louisville, partially because he played at Louisville without Lamar Jackson, and partially just because he doesn't have that insane athletic profile. But he's sitting right around 6'2", 
210, 215, somewhere in that range. So he's got a pretty solid build for the wide receiver, and his route running is amazing. So I didn't know who he was particularly going into the Senior Bowl, but watching the Senior Bowl, he was the guy that kept popping off the page. Every time I saw a play, it was Des Fitzpatrick, I think for the South is who he played for, but he was the one that was making the plays. So I'm excited I need to go back and watch a little bit more tape on him, I think, to see exactly where he is. But based off of guys, I mean, we're doing the exercise of who raised their stock the most. Guys I wasn't even thinking about going into the actual rookie drafts. Now I'm taking a second look at Desmond Patrick. All right. And, and by the way, as a, as a man with ties to both Kentucky and Tennessee, I will tell you that Louisville, and that's how you pronounce it, Louisville is 100% in I've got one more guy I want to talk about. Another guy, universally loved. That is Western Michigan's wide receiver, Dwayne Eskridge. Um, had a really good senior bowl. A lot of people like him. You know, he, for me, this is going to be um, something like the NFL. We're going to have to trust the NFL the most. Much like, you know, uh, Felton, there's a, uh, Amari Rogers from Clemson. We got Eskridge. All these guys are like that 5'9", you know, super athletic guy. So at this point, I like him. I like the fact that he was a winner. Um, I know people were excited about him going into into the the Senior Bowl, and he did not disappoint, so that's a good thing. But for me, I really – because, again, I'm going to be very leery of the physical metrics – so when you go to a player profiler, um, shout out to last week's guest over at uh, the the show with uh, Cody Carpentier at Roto Underworld. He's a guy who uh, uploads a lot of that data into into the system for them. You know, this year that data is not going to be as accurate, but I'm very interested. He is what I would consider a Twitter darling. What do you know about Mr. Dwayne Eskridge? So for Dwayne, I think he falls in a similar category kind of to Des Fitzpatrick for me. Um, personally, with I didn't know a lot going into the process. I've started reading up a little bit more on him, and I've been watching a little bit more film on him. He is a really good route runner in the same vein as Des Fitzpatrick. So when you're looking for that edge that's going to set you apart from all the other guys that are roughly 5'9 to 5'10, 185 to 195 pounds that are fast, I want the guy that's a good route runner. Though route running capability coming in is the difference between you getting someone like Antonio Brown versus you getting someone like Christian Kirk. If you don't have that route running capability to separate you when you're the same size, you can have all the same athletic measurables. That's what I'm looking for. So I'm pretty excited to watch a little bit more Eskridge, but I actually don't know a lot about him other than that. All right, well, real quick before we get out of here again, I want to keep this short. We just went through the uh, the FF SmackDown, and we're going to give you a very uh, audio. Um, uh, again, this is where the rubber meets the road with the new mic situation. But we're going to give you the the food mock draft as well on a mock draft Monday. But where, uh, where can these people find you? Where are you plying your trade currently here uh, in, in the fantasy space? Yeah, so like Memphis said, you can find me at, at Salad Galore. I know it sounds weird, but my name's Dallas. Flip it around, you got salad. So I was like 14 when I made it. <laughs> Just kind of stuck. But you can find me at Salad Galore on Twitter. I'm also writing for the Podcastic Network. I do a lot of rookie um, workups, basically. I'm doing an in-depth 
end of year piece now on all the rookies with our outlooks going forward, um, how I basically did on my assessments did pretty well. Just a little bit of a insight. If you're going to read the article, other than that, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Like I said, I'm currently doing a piece it's called 99 problems, but the pick ain't one. It is a 99 day piece that I started 99 days out from the 2021 NFL draft. I'm going through each team, three times is what I'm going to end up doing. And it's going to work out perfectly to where we're going through the pick analysis. We're going through my individual take on the pick and then some fun kind of weird outlandish per team questions to kind of wrap it up before we get to the draft. But that's about all I got going on other than school right now. Well, education is important young man. And uh, it's funny that you say that about your, your Twitter handle. So I used to play a lot of Call of Duty, and I know Call of Duty Warzone, uh, they, they stole that, they borrowed that. But, well, they say imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And they've got Call of Duty Warzone. So, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to play. And I was like, I, I asked my son, I'm like, I'll just play on your account. And he got really quiet. Now, he's 13. He'll be 14 in uh, August. And he was like, like, what's your screen name? And he was like, very quiet. And his screen name is Obama. And in parentheses, it says anime biddies. So if you're looking for me occasionally out there running on uh, Call of Duty, uh, look for anime biddies and you will find me uh, out there. I, I try to get on one night a week. Some of our patrons like to play and I, I'm trying to find people. My buddy Izzy, uh, as well as a lot of other people play Call of Duty. But man, I want to thank you for jumping on. And guys, this is just a taste. I know it seems crazy, but we have been talking rookies for well over a month. And to tell you how early that is for us, this time last year, last year after the Super Bowl, myself and Shane Hallam of Fake Pigskin and the Debbie Marketplace, he and I sat down last year the night of the Super Bowl when the Super Bowl was over, and he and I did our first rookie-related content podcast last year. We're already five episodes in. And we're going to have just as strong a 2021 as we did 2020 because of people like Shane, because of people like Dallas and all the guests we have coming up. Hey, come back here with us tomorrow. Make sure you're subscribed everywhere. Hang out with me. Hang out with the man of the hour and the man with the power, Jerry Sinclair, along with Dan Williamson at Overhyped Sleeper on Twitter. We are going to go team by team discussing the impact of these new seven head coaching hires along with their OCs and their impact on your dynasty rosters and dynasty assets. But until next time, thank you for tolerating my crackling mic. Um, It will be better tomorrow, or it will be gone tomorrow. Uh, My name is Memphis. His name is Dallas. Thank you so much. And remember, we're just here to make the world a better place for fantasy football. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZRING. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like, you put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZ ring, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, 
We're going to have the best league in town. Go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZRING, and let's have a big season. Yeah, man, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We were going to do this at 4. We decided to do it a little bit earlier in the day to give you time to maybe run to the grocery store. You know, you got to get them good eats. Um, if you're if you're congregating, do so safely. But uh, so we're going to do a mock draft of foods and drinks and appetizers. But here's how it works. We're all going to form a team, much like on your fantasy team. You would form a team of wide receivers, running backs and quarterbacks. You will also be able to uh, draft a team of appetizers. Uh, main courses and beverages. So you can't have two appetizers. You can't have two beverages. You can only have one of each. And the strategy is, is who has the best team? So what we're going to do is we're going to go around the horn. We're going to draft food. We're going to go with, uh, we're going to go with Lou. Lou is the co-host of this show. Lou's the 101. Tyler's the 102. Maddie, the 103. And I will take the 104. So we're trying to put together the best combination of drink, appetizer, and main course of food for the Super Bowl. So, Lou, uh, I see your hat there if you're watching live on YouTube or uh, Twitter with us, as well as Tyler's shirt. And um, we got to get these guys a sponsor. I can't have my boys drinking Natty well, Light. Uh, the, the beautiful thing is I, I'm, I am sponsored uh, by Natty Light, so we're oh. good to go, Randy. Oh, that's perfect. You're like the Ricky Bobby of podcasts. This is, this is fantastic. All right, Lou, you're up with the 101. Um, lots of things to go with, man. Yeah. What are you going with? What's the best thing that, that you're going to start building this team out with? Yeah, I think I think with 101, it, you know, we got three different categories. And it seems like one of the categories is like a, a very clear number one that is just so far above the rest. Um, and I just want to clarify, like, can I just say beer or do I have to say a specific type of beer, like light beer, IPA or anything? No, like that? no, no. Be- beer is beer. You know, we're not going to okay. get down in the, the minutiae think- of I'm taking a, I'm taking a, a, a dogfish island for IPA or something. No, no, just beer. Maybe okay. some people are drinking a natural light. Maybe some are, dr- are drinking a fancy IPA. <laughs> it's it's one o'clock, and, and Tyler clearly is on. So so you're going one hundred and one beer. Beer. I just think it's so far and above as far as beverage at the Super Bowl. Uh, it it to me it seems like that's the best way to start my lineup. Well, you're not going to get many arguments from the Super Bowl commercials. We're going to see a lot of Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light. Probably not Natty Light. See, if Natty Light had a a Super Bowl commercial, it wouldn't be as cheap as it is. You couldn't get a 30-pack for $9.99. So um, it's a great pick. Lou with Beer 101. Tyler, you're up 101. What do you got? Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I, Louis sniped me there because I was definitely going to go beer uh, slash natural light. And I know that Louis uh, means natural light when he says beer, but of course we are uh, not being that specific. Um, you know, if I'm thinking to myself like, all right, I, I think the drink, uh, you know, the top elite drink is off the board, right? That's going to shift me into the appetizer or uh, the entree portion. And we have this conversation off air and we've decided to slide wings into the appetizer side of things. And I think that, uh, that is definitely the, the best uh, appetizer uh, left on the board. It creates the best uh, value, I believe. So I'm going with wings of all types. Uh, we, um, you know, I think I get both boneless and boned in. I'm more of a bone guy, but all wings, all types, all sauces. I got that at my 102. 
Yeah, I, I never once in a million years thought wings were going to slide to me at the 104. I was hoping. I was hoping that's what I'm actually making. Uh, I have yet to do this, but my in-laws got me an air fryer for Christmas this Whoa. past year, and I'm going to try some air fried uh, dry rub wings for the Super Bowl for, for me and my son. Looking forward to that. All right, Maddie, you're up at the 103. What are you going, man? You got to go entree? Well, the one, in my opinion, two of the 101s are gone already. Um, you're up, and then I'm going to go for two, and then you're right back up. Yeah, man. So uh, my, my options are gone. They're shot, um, but there's <laughs> one left. There's one left, and I know, and I have my drink picked out already, but I'm not going to take it this early because it would be a reach, and I know Memphis isn't choosing this because he doesn't drink it. So let's go pizza at the 103. I'm taking all types of pizza, and we're, we're, we're eating good at my place. Yeah, I was, I was hoping you were going to go drink there. I really was hoping that you were going to go uh, with a beverage because I wanted pizza. And by the way, this is like the shittiest, hardest working day for pizza delivery drivers in America. Don't be a cheap bastard. Don't be cheap. Tip your pizza, your pizza delivery people, your grub hubbers, the people that, that bring you the good eats so you don't have to go out there. No, man, pizza is clearly the 101. But since we're going to be posting all of these final rosters on Twitter for you guys to vote on to decide who is the champion on a mock draft Monday, on a Super Bowl Sunday, um, I, I'm going to I'm going to placate and I'm going to go to the people. I'm going to reach into the heartstrings of America, and I'm going to go hard seltzer. There are so many. There, there are so many. There are Trulies. There are uh, Bud Light's got one. Corona's got one. The Claws. There are no laws when it comes to claws. So I'm going to go with all of your hard seltzer products. Um, th th Maddie, are you okay? Maddie looks a little no, Maddie, Maddie looks that, that was my drink selection that I knew Memphis didn't drink. Oh, and he I, takes I, I, it. I, I, I've, I've had one. I mean, we, I've had them. I mean, you've had but, one. But, I mean, but, 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 but I'm also about winning. This is a draft. This is the strategy of the draft is trying to make sure that my my team gets a lot of uh a lot of votes i i am gonna go man i, got, I gotta think of what everybody else has so, so we, we got two drinks and I, i've got to go with uh with a, a good something man I, I and this is lame and i don't know that it'll get me a lot of votes but i'm, I'm gonna go chips and salsa you know it's 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 a staple that's my appetizer i'm gonna go chips and salsa one of my personal favorites. I love the uh, the Tostitos with a hint of lime, a good spicy salsa. That, that that seems like it would pair well with some seltzer. So uh, we're going to throw, throw it back to Maddie. Matt, Maddie is bummed. He's been double sniped back to back. You got man, sniped at a food here, draft. Man. You got sniped at a food and beverage draft. I don't know where to go from here because with pizza, it's interesting. You have to choose something that, that pairs well with the entree. So with that, you know, I'm going to take a, uh, I'm going to take an entree. I'm going to take a uh, uh, appetizer here and I'm going to go soft pretzel sticks with queso or, or honey mayo. You get all the sauces, my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, get, you get pizza, yeah. you get, you get, you get the, get the liquid cheese. It's not really cheese. I'm it's giving people carbs. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah so, I ahead, have a Luke. friend at, at my, the Super Bowl party I'm going to, you know, not a lot of people at it, but um, they, she's making a pizza dip. So it's like it's got pepperonis in it and you know, mozzarella and like it tastes like pizza, basically. But it's a dip that you dip garlic bread or whatever into. So 
I'm really excited to try that out this year. So I, I like the call. All right. All right, Mr. Uh, Tyler, you got chicken wings. You got arguably the number one, one Oh one overall. I mean, wings and beer right there. One and two, but what are you going to stack? What's going to be the, the stack of this, uh, of this team. So the tough part for me is that y'all went like app, app, back and back. And like, I was thinking to myself that, Things, things didn't fall the way I wanted them to is what I'm basically going to say. So I'm going to go drink on this one, and I think I'm going to take a, a Memphis strategy here. And it might not be my most popular drink, uh, but I'm going to go with, um, I think, you know, since we, we did the seltzer thing, we did the beer thing. I don't know if I can say, you know, just, you know, hard hard liquor altogether. I'm actually going to go specifically to whiskey. I know there's a lot of very big, like, whiskey and bourbon. I'm going to go whiskey bourbon. Whiskey, whiskey bourbon drinkers. Out there, especially, you know, I kind of uh, playing into the, the fantasy football people. I'm seeing people always posting their whiskey bottles and all this other stuff on there. I'm not I'm not into it as much. But a uh, whiskey bourbon is going to be my drink at uh, that, that next pick for me. Well, I think that's fair because that still leaves beverages like rum, like tequila, etc. I don't want to go too deep out there and maybe uh, give some spoilers. But uh over Wings and bourbon, man. I tell you what, a good shot of bourbon with some hot wings, man, it'll heat it up and cool it down all at the same time. I, I like a bourbon and hot wings. So, Lou, man, you got to round out your team. You got to go back to back. You've got beer, and now you're uh, you're going to go back to back with uh, your final two picks. Hey, yeah, you guys took a lot of the good stuff, so it's it's tough for me. I feel like I feel like for my side, I'm going to go with. Uh, Buffalo chicken dip. Everyone loves some good buffalo chicken dip, and uh, it's a great day to have it. There's, I know, uh, at, at, as I mentioned before, the party I'm going to, we just had a whole section of dips. Like, who's bringing what dip? We have, like, five different dips going. But everyone goes to buffalo chicken. It's It seems like it's a pretty good staple. So I'll go with that for my, my appetizer. And then I got, what, main dish left? Entree, baby. This is tough because I feel like I'm gonna do you know, pulled pork, pulled pork sliders. That that sort of idea. Man, that's uh, a that's a great out of. I mean, that, that's the sleeper of the draft right there. Pulled pork sliders, Lou. Yeah. You you uh you dirty dog, you man. I I love it. Pulled pork sliders. You got me. Man, that, 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 that was mine, man. That was a good one, man. Great job. That, 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 that might have put you over the top. Beer and pulled pork sliders. Um, and then I know uh, we'll give him a shout-out because he always posts his recipe. Mike, the fantasy hitman right from the fantasy footballers, he always posts his buffalo chicken dip. And uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I made it last year. So uh, good one there. And uh, Tyler. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously torn on, on my entrees right now. And uh, I'm stuck between two. And I know that Maddie can't take one because he's already on entree, so I might be handing you one here, Memphis. But I, I personally, I look. I, I'll tell you where my thought process is. Uh, I look at I look at burgers, sliders, and you know I feel like it's an obvious choice, but like I I don't know if that's necessarily the direction that uh, I can go in, just because it's not true to me. It's not what I would do. So I'm actually going to go with something that uh, might be true to me, and it might not be the right answer. But my entree is going to be chili. Just straight up, everyone's got that vat of chili. Everyone's got their recipes. I've been to the Super Bowl before when people have like chili, uh, you know, chili cookoffs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 a less sexy pick, but I'm gonna go chili as my entree. That that is another good one. Uh, I will admit, for the first time in this draft, I got sniped. I, th- I thought I was two away. 
I thought Chili would slide to me at the, my final pick, but we didn't get it. All right, Matty, one more pick, and I'll bring this thing home. You got to go with yeah, your every, beverage now. Every Super Bowl we do chili, so that one hits close to home. We do chili dogs, so uh, that's my favorite Super Bowl food right there. Um, for the consensus, though, you know, let's see water as the top option for beverage because we don't drink like over it. here at the Big well, Chest household. Well, just like walk over to the sink, you put some, you put some solo <laughs> cups yeah. next to Fresh H2O. It, is, it is a hydrated household. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just, way. I'm just kidding. We're going, we're going with vodka and we're doing Moscow mules. Oh. oh, okay. I was like, man, that that that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty chintzy. You know, uh, what what one day I'll have to tell the uh, the wings and water story. A previous boss of mine will get a kick out of it. Man, I I tell you what, I I had an epiphany, even though Tyler sniped me and and wrecked it. I think he actually did me a favor in reverse. I'm going to go taco bar, you know, because I got the Mm. chips and salsa. I got the truly that feels like Mm. a very good combination. You get your chips and salsa. You you have all your taco fixings. You got your barbacoa beef. You got your chicken. You got your guac. You got guac. You got everything right there. And uh, it's going to be a, a Mexican-based theme here at my party. So to recap, Lou's team is beer, buffalo chicken dip, and pulled pork sliders. Tyler is rocking with wings, whiskey slash bourbon, and chili. I do not want to smell that house <laughs> about halftime. It would be rough as huh. could be. M- M- Maddie is going a little bit more bougie with his pizza, probably like a nice thin crust, like fancy upscale pizza, soft pretzel sticks, and some Moscow mules. And then I'm going hard seltzers, uh, you know, claws, trulies, what have you, chips and salsa, taco bar. So there you go. You've got about five hours left to take some rendition of what me and boys were doing here. I appreciate Tyler letting me host for about 15 minutes on his pod. Now let's get into the real stuff we want to talk about. Man, you guys want to talk about some DFS, some props. Uh, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Thank you for letting me talk about food. Now everyone's hungry. 